Hi, everyone. Welcome to Trader Chats, unique perspectives from seasoned traders. I'm your host, Imran Laka, founder of Options Insight and 20-year professional options trader. As you might know, I became a trading mentor about three years ago, but I thought these conversations would be a great way for my students to gain valuable perspectives from some of the professional traders that I know and respect. I hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, welcome to Trader Chats, everyone. Uh, Today's episode is called Traders Who Teach. And my guest today is Debundan Oskita, also known as Debs. Uh, And he is also a trading mentor and an ex-investment banker like myself and the founder of Stock Pickers Academy. So welcome, Debs. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So why don't you um, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, your trading background, and kind of what you're up to nowadays. Okay. So, um, yeah, my name is Debedin. I have been a trader in the city for nearly 12 years. I started at Goldman Sachs trading equities, so market-making equity swaps. Um, and then doing a bit of treasury stuff as well, because you have to manage the inventory that comes with that kind of business. Um, mm-hmm. I then went on to a proprietary role um, at a boutique, a Jewish boutique. Um, and there I was market making oil, um, Brent and WTI, as well as, you know, Euribor and short term interest rate features, um, mainly Euribor and short sterling and a little bit of dollars and DAX, which is the Canadian uh, interest rate future. Um, and then I looked at some other um, strategies in Forex and uh, scalping the German DAX. Um, mm-hmm. And then after a few years, I decided to go back into the investment banking world, a bit more stability. Um, and I went back to Barclays um, and I spent just over, I think, 18 months there in their treasury division. So they, they've, you can trade it within treasury repos. Um, and then I got headhunted to work for a quantitative hedge fund out in the Channel Islands in Guernsey. And they oh. basically will trade everything that moves cotton, electricity, um, stocks, indices, the VIX, ETFs, Forex. Um, so that was really, really good to see how the quantitative models trade all the different various types of futures, FX and um, global stock indices. Wow. There's a broad experience set there. For someone who's done it for about 10 years and um you said you started at goldman's right yeah how long were you at goldman's um just under three years okay and, and i mean look, what was your experience of goldman's in terms of did you find that there were a lot of people over there willing to teach you and train you and put time and energy into nurturing you or was it a bit like you have to teach yourself everything every man for themselves that kind of thing um, Goldman was actually a surprise. So I, I joined Goldman when I was 20. Um, I, I graduated from uni and mm. I went to Warwick when I was, when I was 20. Um, and I expected it to be, um, individual, learn on your own, super right. complex stuff. Um, it actually turned out to be the opposite. Um, mm. I started and I sat next to managing directors. Literally there were maybe there are more managing directors in my team than vice presidents. Right. Um, so they were the ones who taught me everything I needed to know. And within about four to 
five months, I was given sole responsibility for managing a book. And as you know, usually that happens after one or two years. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was a it was a book that wasn't so complex. It wasn't an options book. It wasn't it was a, a market making swaps book. So you just needed to know where the financing was trading, um, yeah. what your commissions were and, you know, just learn how to execute um, transactions, record them, um, check the balance sheet every single day to see, you know, if trades are settling or not. Um, and then build relationships with new counterparties, um, go out to meet clients sometimes and have a good relationship with um, your cash equity brokers like your ICATs and, and people like that so you can execute the, the physical part of, of the transactions. Um, and then I think some of the, one of the most difficult things for me to actually get my hand, my, my head around was the treasury side of things. You know, what happens next after you, you know, do some of these market making trades um, mm. and the inventory sits on the balance sheet. But, what do you do with it? Right. Yeah. yeah they, I, that's they, something I don't have any real knowledge yeah. or understanding about. Yeah. It's that's the true. money markets. The plumbing side of things, isn't it? Yeah. Getting into that. Okay, that's interesting. You, your experience was like that, Goldman's. I mean, I I started a few but I've obviously been through a few banks in my career. And I it, early on in my career, you know, I felt like I was expecting that everyone was going to want to really bring you up the curve and utilize you because they've hired you. They've put in all this energy and training you on expensive training programs in New York and stuff. And then you hit the desk and it's like, now nah, you're, you're my dog's body for a year. And the work I'm going to give you is, you know, menial. It's not going to teach you much. You just got to do your time and, and kind of do the menial tasks. And then you get, the responsibility and you get taught something right and if you want to learn anything in the meantime you kind of got to teach it yourself which yeah i found pretty you know demoralizing initially i got over that initial shock and then i and then i caned it but it was like that for me that was not not what i was kind of hoping for when i first started but um and that kind of leads me on to the question of so what made you become a trading mentor and what made you want to teach like what, what made you want to leave that professional trading side of things and spin off on your own and then teach other people? Do you know what? Um, I, I come from very, very humble beginnings. Um, and what you realise is each year that passes by, you, you discover something new about the world that you otherwise would never have even known existed. For example, the first time I knew investment banking existed, um, mm. I was already 18, 19, you know, um so my career aspirations changed and when I got into the city and I was I was six years into my career before I realized that I could um manage stocks in the, in the stocks and shares ISA or I could manage my pension in a private pension because mm -hmm. you don't get taught this stuff people who are um managing money their own money in the financial markets usually are spread betting or doing some of the more fast-paced stuff in forex or, or no one really is investing in stocks so mm -hmm. trading is all you know about trading but not about investing and when right. you think investing everyone just thinks property so mm -hmm. from learning new things throughout my career and having conversations with people in my network and learning what everyone else was up to i then realized there's this whole other world where you can build wealth slowly in stocks on the side. And that's mm -hmm. something that everyone should be doing. And most people um, who aren't ethnic minorities are doing. And it was like, okay, cool. If I don't see representation within the bank, 
because I didn't really see that many black people like myself right. within the banking. So I'm thinking, how does the knowledge then get passed down into the community? Mm. Right. So I, I felt a responsibility to share what I knew with my community. But then it wasn't a thing where it had to be ethnic minorities only or black people only. I realized that knowledge can come from everywhere. And also um, learning can be to anyone. So the group is open to everyone that I run. Mm -hmm. um, and I've got mentors in the group, my mentors, people who have hired me to work for them, people I worked with at Goldman, people I worked with at the hedge fund, my old boss at my at the quantitative hedge fund, he's in the group. Right? Right. So when questions come through, it's not just me that answers it. So I've mm -hmm. got my whole network, maybe three, yeah. 400 people who are front office, some of them still currently working. Some of them have gone on to other things within that same group. Mm -hmm. So that kind of ensures that it's not just a one person model where it's everyone not, just not listens reliant. to me. It's, it's not, not reliant on you. my knowledge only because I can't know everything. And it's yeah. good for me because people challenge my thought. Mm. Right? I find that very useful where you, because I'm building a trading community as well bit more centered around people who want to learn to use options to yeah. express views and things like that but but it, you know it's not just options I, I trade straight delta like yourself as well um but i find it super valuable to have that discussion forum and bouncing back and forth about ideas and quizzing why are you trading it that way rather than this way can you explain it and i don't know, the reason i've always loved teaching is because i just feel the more you teach people the more you know your subject matter right like and, and the more you have to reframe it for a different person who's going to require a slightly different framing to understand it, the more different ways you can figure out to reframe something, yeah. it just reinforces your knowledge massively, right? And, and that's kind of why I've always loved teaching, even from back in the days of being at university, right? Yeah. Um, and it's just translated through to my career and, and into now trading being the thing that I teach, but... Oh, that's I, th I, really like. I think I think I've always been a good teacher um like you said from primary school I used to help people with their homework so I think there's a natural element of me wanting to help people when it comes yeah. to passing on knowledge I think that has always been within my system um even when I was at Goldman I was you know made responsible for the summer intern program like right. the hiring of traders um from from the graduate program and you know setting them tasks presentations you know, and then obviously just bringing them in for the more senior guys to look at as well. I mean, there's a sense of satisfaction you get, right, from imparting that knowledge on someone and seeing the light bulb moment go off in their head and they're like, oh, right, I get it now. And it's like, it's not as complicated as you thought it was Yeah. now that I've broken, broken it, down it down in layman's terms. And that I find that super satisfying, right, where people have got this idea in their head that oh my god this stuff's so complicated how am i ever going to get it and when you explain it to them really simply and they're yeah. like seriously is that it and they're like yes and then it's just a really nice satisfying fulfilling thing i, I find anyway personally um okay and then uh and then so then do you still trade markets and you know because i find again in my teaching i find it very beneficial that i still trade because then I can yeah. put everything I teach you into the context of the real world and what's happening yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow. And people find that super useful. So like, do you still trade markets? And, and how has your trading kind of evolved since the banking days? Um, yeah, I still trade um, as re regularly as I can. Um, 
I don't actually teach trading per se that much on in, in what I do because I people might disagree with me, but I don't think trading is for the everyday person. Um, even the type of account that I've got is a professional account, which gives me some benefits that the retail trader may not get. Like I get paid rebates, for example, mm-hmm. if I do a lot of volume. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like when you're active in markets, you you get your macro in place and you need your macro even to mentor the micro. Micro being your stock picking. Mm. Your macro being, you know, for anyone, for anyone listening, is um, just the general biggest picture of what's going on in the world. And you get that really from trading. So if I'm helping someone else out on the stock picking side, I always need to have a view on the macro. Mm-hmm. So I know, mm-hmm. Because even there's a link between stock picking and macro known as beta which lets you know how a stock moves relative to the overall market. Mm-hmm. So um, to do my job, I need to know way more than the bit that I teach, which mm-hmm. is the, the micro. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, it's another income stream for me. Sure. And then what do you uh, use to keep on top of the macro? Because obviously you're busy, you've got projects coming out of you, yeah. you know, left, right and centre. So how do you kind of quickly get your head around what's important in macro for you to be aware of? Like, do you have certain resources that you lean on for that? Um, I use Forex Factory just to know what data is coming out every single day. Um, And then once you've done that over a while, you kind of get used to it. You kind of know. Um, In terms of general macro, um, I use Finimize. So Finimize is like your content creation. I don't really read the Financial Times anymore. um, I I never did. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. I don't read those things anymore. Um, I use Twitter a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I just follow IG Index, for example, on Twitter. They've got a page that literally just tweets what's important and it's just quite easy to follow. Mm -hmm. Um, And then my style doesn't need me to know too much macro anyway. So I'm a scalper. So I'll jump in the markets um, and be in trades for like in out in out one minute five minutes 10 minutes sometimes 30 minutes mm-hmm. um and i just have a time frame i'm effectively trading noise but i'm doing it with um technical analysis okay. so i've learned my technical analysis and i've kind of learned a system that works within technical analysis for scalping um with mm. with, with some signals um that's kind of answering my next question which is um what's your edge what do you think is your edge in trading um, and how would you suggest other people find their edge? Because obviously you, you pretty much just described, you think that's your edge, short-term scalping. How did you identify that was where your the largest part of your edge came from? And is there any ideas as to how other people can find their edge? I think, um, I think your edge is always going to be personal. So you always need to start with your personality mm. and what your strengths and weaknesses are as a person. And then you kind of find how that translates into trading. I'm a very athletic person. I play a lot of football. I'm very, you know, I'm very hyper. My friends will describe me as very hyper. You see me in a party, I'm dancing and jumping up and down. I'm, I'm just a hyper person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that matches up with scalping. It does. It's it does. testosterone. It's in, out. It's, but I'm also, um, I can think very quickly. Like, I can make split second... Scalping is a bit like being a Formula One driver, right? Mm-hmm. You are 
you see something and you've got a very short time to react to it, whether that's to hit a stop loss or to get in again or to average in or to, and you've got to make these decisions quite quickly. Mm. And that's not for everyone, you know? Quite high intensity, right? It's very high intensity. And also I feel like my background growing up in, you know, on a council estate surrounded by gangs and just having to be very, very thick skinned, mm. um, helps me in trading as well because I can take a loss. I can take a big loss. I can take a small loss. I can take a loss and emotionally detach myself from that and go again five That's minutes half, later. That is, that is definitely half the battle, isn't it? Yeah, that is. I, yeah. I feel like if I was to sum my edge up into one thing, I think it's that. My yes. skin is very thick and I can take a loss. A lot of people can't take a loss or the loss affects their decision-making, Into whereas I'm almost like a robot. Mm. I just accept it, boom, done. Know that I can make that back in tomorrow or in another hour, or, you know, like, mm -hmm. I'm just very robotic with it. But I just have time frames that I trade in with that style where I know that volatility is the most. The higher the volatility is, the better my scalping results. And did you, did you practice lots of different styles of trading and then keep, a record of which ones were working the best for you or did it just kind of I think I'm always evolve? doing that <laughs> do you know what I feel like there's so many different areas of trading I haven't even given myself enough time to explore mm. right I'm sure there must be I don't even think I've given myself enough time in options yeah right because once I feel like once you find something that works that just becomes your go-to yeah and then to build experience and have the years and in a new product or a new style is, is a lot of hard work. Um, the first time I discovered that I might have something in scalping was um, after I left JS and I was in um, another role and they said, look, just try this product out, bash it about, exchanges offering rebates if you can do a lot in German DAX. Um, so I gave it a go. I gave it a go and um, I think I made a grand in an hour with a one, one lot size. Wow. which which was like to them really really impressive like wow um so in the back of my mind from that moment i kind of started thinking if i was ever to go it alone mm. like i can afford the margin and everything to to do that one lot size and even if i'm doing 200 pounds a day you know that's that's a healthy run rate to at least get yourself going and mm. yeah and, and that's that, what i do that's my that's my main market at the moment but that scalping strategy is that not something that you could um code up and it would be completely systematic and wouldn't require you being there is that something i'm just because a lot of people are obviously doing that these days right yeah I, I i thought about this but i just feel like i can't <laughs> i just feel like at the end of every day there's always something that i feel like how would i have put that into a computer mm, so the human There's, intervention part is quite key basically yeah yeah in scalping, you kind of need to break the rules sometimes. Right. Sometimes. And that knowing when to break the rules, I don't think you can code that. Mm. Knowing when to knowing when to make ex exceptions okay. is 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 something that is is it's just it's, it's a gut instinct. Yeah, it's, I, it's I, gut I definitely instinct. I definitely sympathize with the idea that there's some human instinct that helps, but, mm. but I guess the, the advantages of coding it are that 
you can do it while you sleep, right? So literally you can switch it on to whatever market and just let it do its thing. And arguably that means you're in the market doing your scalping for a long, more hours, which in theory, if it's a successful strategy, can give you more returns basically, right? That's, that's Yeah, yeah. Point. Do you know what? There is, there is a play there. It will just mean that I adjust certain elements of my scalping. My yeah, return, my return, my maybe... return will go down. Yeah. My return will go down, but then um, it will be with high probability more consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things when you're at the wheel, it's like you're a pilot, right? When you're at the when you're when you're on the controls and you can see everything yourself, mm. take bigger risk and bigger size because you're there to like stop anything going crazy. When you're sleeping, just take the size down, but let it let it go on autopilot. It will, st- it will still chip away and do its thing, yeah. right? So maybe there's something there that you can evolve your thing. Yeah. It, and then that frees you up to then learn more other techniques, like how can I u- utilize options to enhance what I'm doing and yeah. things like that, right? So these are all things that I'm thinking about as well, right? How do I yeah, yeah, automate yeah. a lot automate. of what I do and things like that? And I think the world we're moving into, because, you know, coding and all these uh you know languages that allow you to automate your trading are such a big part of the the industry now and there's a lot of people out there with that skill set you know it's definitely something we we can all look at and and take advantage of i think right so yeah um you mentioned you mentioned that obviously you've got a bit of a community there of you know decent amount of people in, in spa um do you do you find that you're actually learning a lot from the collective mind of that group? So 100%. whereas you started out as a mentor teaching them, they're kind of teaching you now because the hive mind is so much more has a lot has a lot going on there, right? So yeah, so I'm I'm always a student. You know, I've always mm-hmm. adopted that mentality that I'm always a student, um, and I my mind deals with data quite well. So everyone's a data point in a way, and I'm a data point. Mm. So it's like all this data is coming in. Um, I'm dyslexic, and I feel like it it gives me such a big edge. I know how to filter information and just snatch onto what's important, which saves me having to read big amounts of text. But there's mm. a it, it, there's a way of thinking. It makes me think differently as well. I think it gives me an edge. Um, I've read about this 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 as well. Um, so last year i had to adjust my investing style to that of the beginners because i i was quick to realize that it was a beginner's market so um when i started seeing the way some of the beginners made money and how successful end, how successful yeah, they yeah, were being. at the end of the day we're all in here to make alpha mm. right mm. and if you see a consistent pattern of beginners making alpha by following a specific kind of system. Beginners will hold on to trades for longer, mm. right? Which is what professionals technically are meant to do, but often don't do. They're beginners not, yeah. will hold a trade to oblivion. <laughs> they will hold that position, hoping it does a hundred X because they're trying, <laughs> some of them are, they got the get rich quick mentality and yeah. it's like, this one could go all the way. Yeah. Um, so it was quite interesting, interesting for me. Yeah, the ability to run the winners. You're saying a beginner actually has that because they they put such a small amount of money in initially that they're like, well, there's no point doing this unless I'm going to make it 100x. So just leave mm. it and don't look at it yeah. until it until it's 
at least 10x. Whereas, yeah, the guys who are trading and have been trading for a long time are always trying to churn the book around and go long and go short and trade the volatility when you don't necessarily need to do that all the time, right? You can yeah. just let it ride. Yeah, that's cool. And the thing is, because there were so many of them doing it and they formed these kind of cliques where it's like, do not sell, do not sell. So <laughs> they, <laughs> they're all doing it and this kind of is impacting the price. And I, I yeah. kind of figured out that the big hedge funds must be copying. They're saying the way the prices were moving, it's obvious that institutions were getting in and doing exactly the same thing and saying, listen, if we can't beat them, join them, but join them in bigger size. Mm. Um, mm. So that was quite interesting. Um, I think markets have adjusted back and normalised again. Right. Um, so you see a lot of big, this is where the experience comes in to see where that, that thing has shifted. So you see it's more begin, of a... A lot of beginners... Sorry, go on. I'm interrupting. No, no, go on, go on. Now, say so you think it's switched a bit to a more mean reverting market now than a than a trending market as it was. Because I suppose trending markets are easier for the, the newbies to just get into a position and run it, basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, a lot of guys sold um, their... A lot of um, beginners didn't sell. And they're still holding. So they've seen their profits come back. Yeah. Um, whereas... Within SPA, I think the, the line has been, if you are going to hold some stocks to oblivion, don't let it be all your portfolio. Just pick those one or two you want to do that with, but take yeah. profits on everything else. Yeah. So I've seen some of my profits go back on some of these plays, um, but I've, liquid, I've, I've taken profits on quite a lot, mm. which has then given me some sort of average healthy return. Yeah. I think I'm actually like, at the moment, maybe 18% for the year. At some point, it was 50. Right, right. <laughs> so yeah. rather than going back to zero or negative, I've managed it quite well, to be honest. I feel like I managed it quite well. You're not always going to, especially the, that transition from February, March till now, it was mm. very painful for a lot of people. Um, mm. But if you took a healthy amount of gains off, you would have been all right you still see your account up 20%, which is okay. And you go again next year. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's the, that's the benefit we as more experienced traders can give to our community, which is risk management and sizing advice, basically. Yes. That's, that's yes. the thing I think newbies find pretty tough. Like how big should I be in this trade and how to think about the risk management and when do I reduce and when do I add? And, and those are the type of things. And portfolio construction, like what limit should I give myself? How big am I allowed to be in any one stock or any one sector and things like that? I think these are things that we our guidance kind of really helps give them a bit of clarity on that front, right? Yes, so, 100%. Yeah. And um, what do you think about, I mean, obviously we're both trading educators, right? I, I focus a bit more on the optionality side and the macro. Um, you're a bit more on the stock picking side. Like, uh, Are there any red flags of looking at other trading educators like out there? Are there any red flags that people should avoid in terms of educators that maybe aren't going to be the right choice, if you know what I mean? Like, do, you, do you see any patterns there or anything? Yeah, um... This is a very tricky question to answer because I feel like the easy thing to say is don't follow someone who didn't have industry experience, mm. who doesn't have 
industry experience. I don't um, yeah, I don't think that's necessarily true. But, but I, I've seen that there are some people who haven't worked in the bank, but still have managed to come up with very reasonable strategies. Um, and I say some things and they say it too, they agree. And it's obvious that, okay, we're on the same page with respect to a lot of things regarding risk management, discipline, mm-hmm. um, sizing even. Um, so I feel sometimes there's a little bit of arrogance that comes from people who worked in a bank. Um, 100%. And they're, they're, they're a little bit bitter that there's people who haven't worked in the bank that are now running crypto communities or um, mm. investing forex communities. Um, it's, like I think, a, it's like a snobbery, isn't there? Yeah, oh, yeah. You haven't worked at an institution for 20 years, you don't know what you're talking about kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm like very, very humble when it comes to this stuff because I, at the end of the day, I'm a helper alpha. If there's someone who literally has never worked in a bank, but they've got a consistent, um, they, they, they've got a consistent return model or I see them talking a lot of sense, then why shouldn't I tap into what they're saying just to make sure it aligns? I think there's something you can learn from anyone. And this is why I was able to actually adjust towards how the beginners were investing last year and make yeah. you know, healthy, healthy gains. I did, did like 129% on my portfolio. With that in, I was making Forex type money or scalping type money, mm. investing in non-leveraged stocks. That's unheard of, right? Mm. So I feel that like the biggest red flag isn't necessarily somebody's background, but it's somebody's um, track record. Right. But then not everyone discloses their track record. Not right? everybody discloses their track record. Um, that's another that's another tough thing because mm-hmm. I feel like you kind of need to put your medals on the table to build trust. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But I, I understand as well when it comes to money, there's a lot of privacy. Yeah, you don't necessarily want people to know what you've got going on. don't necessarily want people to know what you've got going on. Um, I think there are ways around it. Um, I mean, for me, a red flag is like pictures of Lamborghinis and stuff. And like filming filming like adverts, like from exotic locations and going, look at the high life that I'm living because I trade, right? That just, I look at that and that's... Promising returns. uh, Anyone who's promising returns. Yeah. Number one, anyone who's actually telling you to buy something yeah that's a red flag um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah those, i mean look, my, my, my approach has always been look i'm not gonna give you a get rich quick scheme here right i'm gonna help you learn about the markets i'm gonna give you the tools that you need that will allow you to manage risk to take speculative positions to risk manage to understand all that stuff but whether or not you make money is about how much work you put in, right? And how diligent you are. And, and it's about your, you know, it's you, right? You're the one who has got the views. You're the one who's taking the positions. Yes, you can copy my trades if you really want to, but not all my trades make money, right? And my edge comes from knowing how to cut my losses fairly quickly, run my winners if I can, construct positions that are asymmetric using options, things like that. That's where my edge comes from, but that might not be where your edge comes from. So you need to find your edge, but I'm going to give you the tools to find it, right? I'm going to help guide you. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to show you what the macro landscape looks like. 
but a large part of the work has to be done by you. And I don't know that every trading educator out there is kind of making it that clear. They're like saying, yeah, just follow me, do what I do, you'll get rich. And that is just not authentic in my mind in, in any way, shape or form, basically. Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, you have to distinguish between an influencer who is just pushing a stock mm. or an investment idea. And I'm okay with that personally. I follow a lot of Twitter accounts and I want to see what they're saying. Mm. That's very different to paying somebody to teach you a process. Yeah. Um, and I, I like to separate the two. One is free. It's there. Mm. And another one, you're charging. Yeah, and I yeah. feel like once you start charging to teach a course, a process, you have to be credible. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. If someone's just on a Twitter account tweeting and has 100K followers, that doesn't necessarily give them credibility. It just gives them a following. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, I think we're in that strange world, right? Where you've got relatively non-credible people with monster followings. Yeah. And you've got credible people with experience who aren't bullshitting about the market. They've got minuscule followings, right? Now that yeah. may well evolve and change over time as, because it's quite new, this retail trading phenomenon has absolutely exploded in the last two years. So people are kind of gravitating towards the the people who are i don't know that connect with them on, on these social media channels but those people might not actually be the people they need to shepherd them through crazy volatile markets that we may enter into in the next five years right so it's uh it'll be interesting to see how it how it evolves i think um yeah. all right and then uh, as we wrap up like uh what, what would you what are your top resources for people looking to trade markets to pick stocks to invest, like, are there any go-to places that other than obviously Stock Pickers Academy, which is a great place for them to go and and, and obviously tell them where they can find you and, and stuff. Um, but any other top resources that you recommend to people? Do you know what? I'm a big fan of commun community first. I feel okay. like the, one of the most, investing is a team sport. Mm -hmm. Trading, sometimes a team sport, sometimes not. But having a community or a number of communities that you can go to for different things. I've got trading communities I can go to. I've got Stock Pickers Academy where we discuss cryptos, stocks. Um, I've got, I've seen Forex groups I'm a part of where we discuss Forex. Um, having a community you can go to is so important. Um, mm. You have to remember that, that instead of having to read all the books, instead of having to learn everything from scratch and get 10 years of experience, the modern way of investing is to actually tap into somebody who's done that already. Mm -hmm. Right. Because not everyone's going to have the, the same passion that I have for markets, but they should still be able to get involved in markets. You should be able right? to access that. Yeah, exactly. So tap into people who know what they're talking about. Um, mm -hmm. And then if it's just knowledge you want to acquire and knowledge doesn't necessarily translate into returns. So you need to first of all identify what you want. Do you just want like lots and lots and lots of knowledge or mm. do you just want the knowledge that's very important to you making a return? And if it's just the knowledge you want to, to help you make a return, then what I've already said, if you just want actual, you know, if you want more knowledge and you just want, you know, you just have that curiosity, Finimize is a good app to help you understand the markets. Um, 
Forex Factory is a good app to help you see the data. Investing.com is a good app to help you to see multiple charts. I use that for my scalping sometimes, as well as IG Index, because it enables me to see like 12 charts of all the different markets. And then once I see a signal there, then I open my IG Index and, um, yeah, and, I, and I'll do it. All right, and um, and then what you and then tell us a bit about what you're doing. So obviously you you're running Stop Pickers Academy. Are there any any new things you're looking at? Like have you jumped into the crazy world of crypto? You know, yeah. tell us about what, what do you see for the future for Debs and for. I've, I've made more money in crypto than I've ever made in stocks. Already, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I feel like we are return chasers first. We want a return on our capital. Mm. right there are different markets that can give that to us and you mm. want to find the one that's the best value for money or a couple stocks crypto forex whatever it may be and you want to find the one that's almost the easiest to to pick up first um and i think stocks and crypto are there crypto often is a project or an idea it has the price if it's a coin or a token <laughs> So in crypto, rather than trading coins, you've been launching coins? Um, ideally, you want to get involved in pre-sale of a okay. project that you really like. Um, we did launch one coin. That was just more like a project that came to us. There are people in our group who can design. There are people in our group who can develop code. Um, and But what is launching a coin? Is this basically tokenizing a community? Is that what... Um, is that what that means like you've got yeah, a community so, that's doing various things maybe transacting with each other in some sort of goods and services or whatever and you're trying to create a token to bring that community together is that how it no works? not necessarily uh, uh maybe you can look at it like that but they're meme coins mm. um they're alt coins but basically you can create your own crypto token and the way that works is you have an idea it could be a charity product project and a portion of every transaction that goes through um, goes to that charity directly. Mm -hmm. The rest just goes back into the liquidity pool. So then it has a use case. Okay. And then there are others that can be a bit more advanced where you take a portion of what you're making from launching the coin and you use it to build a, an exchange or you use it to build a, an NFT platform. Mm -hmm. And then you then go out to influencers who want to launch an NFT on that platform. You know, there's so many different, you know, types of projects, types of coin. Um, I know, it's mind boggling, right? Yeah, like I'm still learning a lot. Now people are playing games on NFTs and that's a big yeah. thing. I was going to ask you about NFT. So are you a believer in the NFT boom? Like, do you think this is a crazy bubble that's going to go to zero? Or do you think NFTs are going to... I mean, I feel they're definitely, definitely here to stay. It's, right. a form of, it's a form of art at the end of the day, digitalized art. And now that it's there, people are going to use it. There will always be people who want to create digital art. And when you say art, it's not just like a jpeg right you, it could be music no. it could be it could be music videos, it could be memorabilia content, content yeah. cultural content that is become digitized yeah and has a scarcity value and 
I mean, a, a, a way that I've been kind of understanding NFTs, like what makes one NFT valuable relative to another? And I kind of feel like it's the way for, say, big influencers or brands or celebrities to monetize their brand value, basically, right, in the digital world, right? So yeah. if you've got a massive following, then and then you say, okay, I'm going to launch these NFTs and there's a limited number of them. And by owning one, you own part of my brand and you've got bragging rights that you've got one of these scarce tokens that only, you know, the, 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 the top followers of me, the celebrity or the brand, you know, um, has, I think that's kind of how I'm understanding what makes them valuable. Like, even though I wouldn't go and buy it for that. Scarcity. Yeah. Scarcity, but I wouldn't buy it for that reason myself, but then I've not been a big art collector my, in my life. And, and those are not things that I find personally worthwhile spending my money on, but there are loads of people who do. Right. So it's just, um, it's a learning, like you said before, and I, and I think this is a good message to end on, right? The, be the best teachers remain students forever, basically, right? 100%, yeah. So keeping an open mind, keeping learning. And the great thing about us is the more we learn, the more we can teach others, right? And I think that's, that's it. That's what, that's what we keep doing, right? But um, on that note, mate, it's been excellent having you on, on Trader Chats. Thanks for Always coming. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And, Thanks for having me on. Uh, oh, pleasure, mate. Pleasure. And, uh, you know, good luck with everything. Uh, and, uh, yeah, see you next time. Take see care. You. Take All care. Right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. To learn more about Options Insight and our trading community, please visit us at www.options-insight.com. Or you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and also follow us on Twitter at options underscore insight. Until next time, thanks.